Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And welcome back to the Rock Gotta Podcasting. I am Charles McFall, the titled Rock Gotta Podcasting. Hey, this show is Ask Me Anything. It is Kevin Smith storytelling style, right? Meets, uh, you know, maybe some Bill Maher, some, some in-depth looking at what's going on in the world. Meets maybe a little bit of Jerry Springer because you ain't my daddy. You don't know. <laughs> so hey, I need you to send in your questions. Hit me up at rgop at charlesmcfall.com. I've been getting some great questions from people. I know there's more coming. I already have a couple emails lined up where people have been asking questions. Phil Ramos, I'm talking to you. We're getting to yours, sir, and and they're great questions. I, I'm very much looking forward to hitting those in the show. But today, this is one of the ones I recorded at DragonCon. It's a friend of mine, uh, Rob Roberts. I met him many years ago when I first went to Dragon Con, and uh, I met him and Bobby Blackwolf, and we became fast friends. And and then <laughs> I got some stories to tell about that here in the episode itself. But Mike, go ahead and uh, set us up. What do we have going on with Mr. Roberts? Hey, Charles, this is Rob Roberts from Orange Lounge Radio, Pokestop Podcast, Guys on a Show, and Reading is Fundamental. Listen to that. I have a lot of shows, and you have a lot of shows. So what I want to know is, what's your next podcast going to be on? Because I might steal it. Just saying. <laughs> that You kind of hear me laughing a little bit because I was sitting there when he, he did that thing. Very fun. Very cool. Four shows. Uh, that's, that's, that's Amateur Hour, Rob. Come on, man. Step it up. Step it up. You need like eight or nine shows if you really want to catch up with daddy here. I, I love the idea of what's next. I definitely have. I definitely have ideas brewing in my head and stirring around without a doubt. And and I want to say this, too. That's exactly how you ask a question if you have something that you do. I love that because I'm Rob Roberts from Orange Island Radio. Guys on a show, Pokestop podcast, and Reading is Fundamental. See, I even remembered the four shows he listed. Plug yourself. Talk about where you're from, what you're doing. And if you're a civilian, you know, if you don't have anything to plug, tell me how much you love me because I'd love that. <laughs> Be like Rush. Megan did a Rush. I've been listening for 10 years and I love you, man. Well, everybody loves that, right? Everybody loves a little, a little, uh, we'll just leave it there. You can fill in the blank of what everybody loves. So, <laughs> but that's exactly when I envisioned this show. At one point, I told Mike, when I was pitching him the idea, I said, it's not just about me. It really is about the human connection, the shared experience. And when people ask, especially celebrities, professionals, people who do other creative projects, I really want them to open the show with that. I want them to be, you know, this is who I am. This is what I do. And here's my question. It is a chance to promote what you're doing. Now, before I get into my whole long history and everything else that I want to get into, I want to talk about what happened at DragonCon this year. So, actually, going back to podcast movement, uh, a guy named Bo York had reached out to Brian Ebbett, 
and uh, Frog Pants Studios and all them, and about his satchel player and what was going on. He'd been following them, and they are big players in the podcasting world, so I understand that. And then through Ebbett, he got introduced to me, and I was going to be able to contact him at Podcast Movement before Ebbett was going to get there. So we we lined it up. He wanted to talk about Satchel. He wanted to talk about what we do with Giant Size Team Up and this and that and the other. Short version is he ultimately had created Pokemon Go Podcast and had bought PokemonGoPodcast.com. And they'd only been doing some tee up episodes, some, hey, this is news, did it once a month for a number of months, getting ready for the launch of the game. Ultimately sold that show to the Giant Size Team Up Network and we now run it. And and having a blast with it, you blew up, right? We we quickly rose to the top because when you search Pokemon Go podcast, just in general, right? You that's what I would look for if I'm looking for a podcast with that you know, for that game. We come up first because that's our name. Well, so I'm sitting there on the opening panel of Dragon Con, and we're all talking about what we do and this and that and the other, and rooms standing room only. I mean, it's packed, standing room only. It's all cool, and I have these badge ribbons for the conference specifically. And I knew, especially with it still being fairly new and geek world, geek centric, I don't care what the rest of the world does. They may go, oh, I don't even remember that game. I quit playing months ago. Well, there's a whole section of geeks that haven't. And I knew they'd be at Dragon Con. So sure enough, I said, hey, before everybody leaves this room, they're on the back table and I've got them here too. I've got these ribbons and you can come get your team association. And this and that. And he comes up with like a fake angry face on and he goes, I can't believe it. I can't. It's like, what, man? What's going on? He goes, I cannot believe you are Pokemon Go Podcast. <laughs> because he started Pokestop Podcast because Pokemon Go Podcast was taken already. And I don't know if he'd gone to listen. Cause I wasn't at the time on every episode. So it's easily possible that he'd listen to an episode that I, I hadn't been on. So anyway, it was a fun little rivalry where actually he's going to come on and and. Uh, talk about his podcast with this and we're going to do some cross promotion but rob is just amazing he's a fun guy and obviously that was right after a panel we did together where he and bobby invited me on to their panel about social media changes and uh different things going on so i thought about facebook streaming and this the mevo live camera and so on and so forth all right so on to the question about i do a lot of shows well let me tell you about the shows i've done so you kind of get a history of what's going on i've been in podcasting since 2004 which is essentially the beginning I don't remember exact dates for the creation of podcasting, but I want to say it started in roughly the spring of 2004. This is before iTunes was even a thing. It had not even been invented at that time. It was just out there. You'd have to go directly to a site, and, and Adam Curry and this other guy, I don't remember the other guy's name, had figured out really simple syndication, and Adam you know, realized you could use it to distribute audio, and he was a radio guy, so he wanted to do his own thing. And ultimately, that's how podcasting came around. It wasn't called podcasting at first. I don't know what it was called uh, because it wasn't until iTunes came along with the iPod, right, that, you know, podcasting, the word came around. Now, all that being said, that's hazy shade of gray. I don't I don't remember all the exact details, but I started listening to a morning, an actual morning show. I'd been listening to them and I wasn't on a drive anymore to catch them in the morning. And so I went to their website because I knew you could sometimes radio stations would record their shows and you could go listen on their website or whatever. And they said, hey, we have a podcast. This is roughly August of 2004. And I was working on the ambulance. And so I, I, I said, uh, I, no, I didn't say it. It's just all in my mind, right? I decided to check it out. And we started listening to them. I'm like, well, this is fun, but it was just clips of their show. It wasn't actually a whole show that they had done in the morning. It was literally just five minute clips of these segments, you know, little goofball segments they had done. 
which is very unsatisfying and very actually irritating. And one is the segments I hated the most. It was this dumb goober kid thing. It wasn't their show that I actually enjoyed. And then it was just like, like I said, just these little, you could tell other things were going on around it because it faded up with somebody talking and then went into the segment and faded down with them going into something that potentially was funnier. And it, it was just very irritating. But I decided to look up. I don't remember if I looked at podcasting at the time or where I looked up, but essentially I found Podcast Alley is the site I found, which I believe is still up, but it hasn't been updated. And at least the front page of news, the last time I went, hadn't been updated in years. So I don't know if it really is still a, a place to find podcasts. And at that time, there was already a couple thousand podcasts, you know, in the, the single digit thousands, you know, one to two thousand somewhere in there. And I went to comedy because I wanted to laugh. And in the top 50, it showed the top 50. And there was two guys, one brain. And I thought, well, that's an interesting title. And I clicked on it. And it's two sheriff's deputies sit down and talk about their job or their lives or something like that. And I'm like, well, I'm a paramedic. That's very close to what I do. I would like to listen to that. And so I started listening. And they were 14, 15 episodes in. And I'm listening. And I'm loving it. And it feels like, because they actually carried themselves with some kind of professionalism. And while they didn't feel like they did, they did. I mean, they spoke well because of their jobs. They were actually, in, in, honestly, funny guys, uh, very creative, had good microphones, had good recording quality. So it, it felt like a radio show on your computer. Oh, my God, this is so awesome. And it immediately spoke to me. It screamed to me, you've got to do something like this. Because I've been trying to do bands. I've been trying. I always felt that need to communicate. In the music episode I did uh, not that long ago, music is all around us. All you have to do is look. I talk about how I'd, I'd been working on bands and why. It's a communication thing. So this just really struck me. And I, I wrote into them the story I had about it going into the jails of paramedic and this and that and the other. And I'm listening to an episode or two. And all of a sudden, here they are reading my email. And I'm going, oh, my God. Because I'm thinking they're big time. They've got millions of, you know, your, your perception's everything, right? So I'm perceiving that they, they are these huge guys. Well, really, they probably, they probably had 30 to 50 listeners, but I didn't know that. It felt like they were a real radio station, a real radio show. And they read my email and saying my name, and I just, I just lost it, right? I thought it was awesome. And then I write in again, and I write in again, and ultimately I start making some segments for them. I think I started summarizing their show because uh, I had a ton of time on my hands. I was working at a very slow ambulance station and I'd have 24 hours to be there. Now, some of that was obviously eating, sleeping. Sometimes we ran calls and yeah, I mean, it was very slow. There were day, there would be shifts. I'd go by, didn't run a single call. The only time I left is because we went to get some food or something or to see the other crew or pick up supplies. That's it. So it was that slow sometimes. And I, you know, I play my Xbox, but honestly, you do get burned out on that. And this gave me a creative outlet, gave me something to do. So, of course, I did start my own podcast, my very first podcast. I'm actually kind of ashamed of, but I, I was very limited in my vision. I thought it had to be Morning Zoo Crew. I thought, God, man, you could really get into all my self-esteem uh, issues and how it wasn't worth anything. But I started with my brother-in-law because he was very funny and he was willing to do it. And I called it Pulling My Pot because we were talking about my brother and I uh, law and I had talked about uh, we were playing RPGs at the time role-playing games on the Xbox and whatnot and we talked about level treadmilling and he called it mental masturbation <laughs> you just have to you just keep doing the thing over and over again just to get the level up and it was very funny when he said that and so wanting to do kind of a dirtier morning crazy type show with that kind of humor I called it pulling my pod 
Right, because, you know, you get that it's going to be dirty. Uh, actually, when I made the MP3 file, is PMP all in capitals, because that's how I've always done it from the beginning is the initials of the show. But I put a little I in there, like Chips, uh, the TV show Chips. So it's P-I-M-P. So it was Pimp 1. Everybody liked it. I mean, it had great producer stuff to it. That was me. I was producing it. However, I just didn't know who I was. I didn't know how to tap into who I was. And so I was doing this thing that just didn't suit me. I mean, my wife didn't think it was funny. She thought her brother was funny, but she's like, yeah, I don't get it. I don't know why you'd want to do that. But you, you, when you do these moments, when you, you put in this sound clip out of nowhere, when you, you, you're a really great producer. And I started doing that for Two Guys, One Brain as well and taking the last five episodes they had done and cutting just really funny lines out of it and kept it to five minutes. It was a five and five. And it would summarize the last five episodes they had in five minutes. And they loved that. And I ultimately kind of became the de facto fan club leader. You know, I, I have perfect strangers reach out to me when they started. They kind of pod faded. Now, two guys still are around. They have over 500 episodes. So lots of stuff to listen to if you get interested in them. It's worth listening to. They kept it clean for the most part. Towards the end, with some of my influence, unfortunately, they, they become a little more potty mouth. But for the most part. It is very clean and safe for the family. And uh, you'll hear a lot of me on there. You'll hear, I don't know, you hear, you'll hear some good and some bad and some ugly. <laughs> As they started kind of pod fading, which was they were doing the shows on a regular basis and then uh, became busy with life. Life changed, work life changed a little bit. Their schedules changed. They didn't put them out. Now they put them out maybe twice a year at best. And, it, and it's still awesome, honestly, when they do. I'm, I'm still just like a kid when it comes out. I mean, as much success as I've had and, as much notoriety as I might have gotten in the podcasting world. And hopefully, you know, as people listen and become more aware of me, it will always be these guys are amazing and they're the show I want to listen to more. It might even be that principle of leave them wanting more. <laughs> Not that they're doing it on purpose, but because we only get a little bit, we love it. Anyway, as they started podfitting, I'd have perfect strangers reach out to me on Facebook. like, hey, can, can you tell them to do another show? Hey, man, can, can you ask them to do more? I'm like, sure you know i will get in there and and i of course have their phone numbers we're personal friends i've been to their house a couple different times they paid for me to go to vegas with them uh, for this big meetup thing that they did it was very very cool of them to do and i became a sidekick to their show easily you know i never wanted to be a part of their show nobody wanted me to be a part of the show but i did become a part enough that people enjoyed when i was on and people knew i was i was connected to them and it was a uh, look how i can help them type of deal it's it really awesome and that's really where i got my start in podcasting was because of them and working out things with them and, and learning from them because they were very they understood andy and randy and yes i know they make jokes about it themselves but it's a randy and an andy and they're together both at the job and of course working uh, on the show andy is married and has a kid who's now in college i think holy crap uh, randy is uh i think he's just dating he's been married a few times it's, it's been issues but his kids are all grown as well anyway he just it just was a great experience and I, they knew who they were and so i i learned to work out myself by listening to them learned a lot of, of things from them ended up doing a show right after or during pulling my pod which is called what i believe with another listener of two guys one brain i met him through that show called Kenty, and I honestly don't remember what Kenty's podcast was, but it was not my flavor. It was definitely a very New England, a very his point of view uh, show, which is exactly what podcasting should be. Still highly produced, sounds great. We actually did an internet duet before that was a thing, where we both recorded. Uh, he had a ukulele and I had a guitar, and we did uh, 
Rainbow Connections by the Muppets uh, together. And I don't know if it worked out perfectly. I probably could do it better today. But it worked out pretty good. It, it did okay. It definitely did okay. And so then uh, we did that show together for a few episodes. And that was all about having different points of view in life. And typically he would have an opposite point of view than I did. But we could discuss and we could discuss why we believed what we thought. Sometimes we changed our minds. Sometimes we learned we didn't really believe what we thought we believed. Sometimes it was just, hey, you've got your point of view. I got mine. We're still friends at the end of the day. And it's cool. It was a fun experiment and it probably could have become a big show, but I didn't know what I was doing and my life changed in a big way. And so I ended up shutting all podcasting down. I mean, a lot of stuff came crashing down at that point. Now, I I really only had, I'm pulling my pod. I mean, you're talking trackable eight to 12 listeners and I'm not making fun of myself. I mean, that's what I remember it being. And tracking wasn't everything it could have been back then. Well, okay, it was everything it could have been, but it's grown a lot since then. Let me just say that. And once Blueberry came around, I started using their services, and I could see my downloads. I mean, I never broke more than maybe 15, 20 listeners. But I learned a lot of lessons, had a lot of fun doing it, and it was very cool and very interesting. So I shut that down for a year, ended up needing that creative outlet, needing that place to tell my stories. And the year that I wasn't doing podcasting, I had two people to talk to roughly. My best friend, Douglas Spaz, who has been on one of the episodes here, he asked a question about toast. And my wife, I found myself with both of them going, yeah, you told me that story. Yeah, yeah, I know you've told that story. I'm like, well, God, I need to do something else about this. And when my daughter was on uh, being expected and I think it was actually after she was born and I found myself you know, basically on family leave to help out with her in the in Oakland and my wife and and the time I took I think I remember I no you know what then that's when I quit EMS and went to the job so I went to a an office job for a year and just had these frustrations and and just had these just issues in life and I ended up coming uh after about a year came back to my office and I I need to start a podcast I need to do something to tell these stories it's just more power to you. And it's been a long journey since then. I won't go to all the ins and outs of it. But I started then bear crawling. And it took different, many, a few different forms, a few different names before I really got it rolling. But I was listening to the Underground Short Bus. Now, if you want a wrong, <laughs> a wrong show, if you can find the episodes out there, they they really hit my my love of, of sick humor and just dirty humor and but good-hearted people. And I, I loved it, and I, I did a lot with them. And I actually launched my show by going on to their show and trying to keep up with them drinking in an hour and a half to two-hour show. I ended up drinking almost a whole bottle of vodka, 750-milliliter bottle of vodka in an hour. Couldn't feel my legs, couldn't feel my hands. Ended up throwing up on air after and lo- laughing. You know, I'm like, and I hear the laughter in my headphones from uh, Mike on the other end because Kevin actually had walked away, so he missed this part. I'm like, I'm like, tell me you're still recording. What? This is like podcast gold. I mean, it, we're just cracking up, crying. And every time I heard that after, I wish I'd saved the copy. I really do. I wish I'd saved the copy because every time I heard that after, doesn't matter when, I would just, I would laugh so hard, tears would just roll down my face. It was just a moment in, in history that might or might not be gone. I think it was like around episode 80 of theirs. Anyway, they helped launch Bear Crawling. What Does It Kill You Makes You Stronger was the, the idea of that show, and I did that. And then as I did that, I realized I had to need to do more shows, and I had to, I, I'm tapping into this area of my life, but I'm not tapping into that one, and so on and so forth, and I built the Bear Crawling Nation. 
and on the Bear Calling Nation made mistakes. And actually, you know what, Mike? I think that will be a, a separate episode because I don't feel like that really gets into the heart of what Rob's question is. Because uh, Mike and I thought maybe this is where we'll talk about the rise and fall of the Bear Calling Nation and everything I did there. But really, right now, it doesn't feel like that's the story to tell. But I did love bear crawling, what bear crawling was, okay? This is why I truly started on my path to, to being a professional podcaster and why I love this medium. Is I was, I was definitely going through a lot, really trying to figure out who I was as a person, trying to get rid of all the emotional baggage one step at a time that I had, all the religious baggage, all the things I thought I believed but had no idea why I thought that way, uh, all my misconceptions that was hurting my marriage, those kind of things. Now, this is after I've, I've commonly talked about the first couple of years of my marriage were definitely ups and downs and goods and bads, but we got to the lowest point in our relationship in the dark, you know, that dark night that it was uh, for a little while. This is after that. So we'd actually worked on a whole lot of stuff. I'd worked on a whole lot of things in my life and our, my marriage was much better. And we bought our own house at that point and I had a studio to do podcasting in. So I, I went up to the studio and I knew I just needed to really express these inner thoughts. And this is very much the precursor to rock out of podcasting. I needed to just explode to just bleh, all over the page, just, bleh, just get it out of me and see what was going on. And I literally can remember to this day how my monitor was set up and I'm staring at the wall and I felt like I'm just talking to the wall and mentally I'm going, statistically speaking, I cannot be alone. I feel alone. I feel like I'm the only person in the universe going through this thing. And nobody around me can understand it in my real life. But I know statistically out there, there has to be people who have gone through this, who understand what I'm saying. I didn't realize I was looking for this, but basically who can tell me it gets better. You know, who can say, okay, yeah, we went through this. Here's how you can get through it yourself, maybe even, but I can tell you, even though we can't help you get through it, you will get through it and your life will become better and you'll become a better person for it. That's ultimately what I was seeking. I was four episodes in and decided I wanted to do it live. And nobody was doing live then. Nobody that I knew of. Because that's me. When I get into something, I dive in. I want to know everything and everybody and how's it going. And I was making contacts and friends. And I met uh, Dave Jackson during that time. And uh, he became the big guru that he is today of, of the School of Podcasting. He works with Lipson now. And He's still one of the go-to coaches for how to do podcasts and this, that kind of thing. And uh, I don't know. I met a lot of people. It doesn't matter. But I, I was just consuming as much. And it, it felt like for a time period, and it's obviously a little egotistical, but it was actually true for a time period that I knew everybody who was anybody in podcasting. And they knew who I was. Because that was just, that's just the way I work. It's not that I need to know famous people or big people or powerful people. It's that. I consume, and especially when I get something like this where I'm just passionate about it, I want to know everything. I want to hear everything. I want to grab everything. And there's lots of stories to be told still on my journey through podcasting that are more specific that don't really apply to today. So if you've asked a question already about podcasting or if you're thinking about asking one, still ask because there's so many stories I'm mentally just skipping over and not telling because it's not relevant to where I want to get. I want to get to what's next. So I'm trying to talk about the passion and everything else and the journey that I took. But I ended up doing bear crawling for five-ish years and almost 300 episodes. And then I also created other shows and did other things. And I did way too much, but I learned a lot of lessons there. But here's the biggest lesson I learned as a creator. One, 
you should never do everything yourself, ever. And I mean, like, for other people, too. Of course, if I, as a podcaster, I mean, I figured out every step of the way myself with some help from communities, absolutely. There are definitely people who helped explain iTunes and fix some things for me. There are definitely people who knew websites better than I did and, and fixed some things for me. Um, Cybertech, uh, Philip, for sure, built an awesome website for me. Jim, World Traveler Jim, did a lot of awesome things for me and helped me out. Jeff Roney helped out and uh there's another one actually he lives here in atlanta tim uh i can't remember tim's last name but he and i didn't get along greatly we didn't really see eye to eye but he definitely helped out and and helped keep me going along my path so i appreciate that so you learn i learned things about people i learned things about doing stuff but i definitely figured out how to record how to edit how to produce how to upload how to hand code an rss feed i did that for a very very long time because i just have this high standard of excellence and the programs I was using weren't doing it for me. So I did it by hand, got to where I wanted to be, those kind of things. But what I learned is you spread your energy and your time, right, doing all that. If you can find somebody to help you with the website, with the publishing, with the writing the show notes, with the editing and production of your show even, with and now where I got a podcast, I call Mike the showrunner because – I just, if people, and I do want you to just email me. When you email me your questions or it comes through SpeakPipe, I send it to him. He decides what feels right today to ask. He decides uh, how to set up the show. He's done the intro. He's helped me with the format. He, uh, other than my schedule saying, okay, I can do it on this day, he basically says, this is when we'll record. And uh, he chooses which ones I should publish and just gives them to me because I have learned to trust an outside vision to say, I want to do this. I want to express my heart. I want to express everything that I do. I want to be able to express it freely without hindrances, without distractions. And that's what I do here on Rock Out of Podcasting. And I learned that the hard way with bear crawling. When I have to think about co-hosts, you know, when I have to think about feelings of other people. Not that I don't mess up now. I mean, there there was definitely something with the IRUSA show uh, episode that I did that had some backlash to it for sure. And it's been fixed and it's all good. Don't worry about it. But it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it, I mess up is what I'm saying still. But being able just to focus on the content, just to be able to say, oh, where is this going to go? Where are, we, where are we hitting here? That's the love that I have. And, and finding somebody like Mike that can help is really crucial to being who you are. When you're a musician, there are definitely musicians who can do everything. Kid Rock can play every instrument that's on that stage and do it well. And you know, you could argue about his style or his singing, but he actually can carry a note. He can sing well. He can write songs that have hooks. You know, let's not argue about personal taste. We're talking about skill. But when he's on the stage, if he were to try to do that himself, it'd be a ridiculous mess, right? Because you can't literally play every instrument at one time. And no, having it pre-recorded does not count. So he has a band. He has somebody who can play it to that level or better than he can. That's creativity, right? He focused on where he wanted to be. He wanted to be the front man doing the singing, the writing, and he had people who can do the other stuff well. That's what I learned with Bear Crawling. Moved on to Success Freaks. Now, I will tell this quick story. I was doing way too much with the Bear Crawling Nation. And again, we'll do an episode on the rise and fall of that. You can ask me about podcasting experiences that would trigger it, those kind of things. But it got to a point with my wife where we had a, a 
really hard heart to heart where she felt like I was not a part of the family, that I was pulling away from her, that I was doing too much for other people. And she needed me here. I was ignoring her. Whether or not I could say, oh, I paid attention to you at 5 o'clock on Thursday. Obviously, I made a stupid voice to point out how stupid that thought process would have been. That's not what I had anyway. But she felt like I was not invested in her. I was invested in everything outside of this house beyond her. And she needed me to be invested in her and be there for her in a way that she could see it. Not just, well, you know, I bought you dinner, not just, uh, and I didn't make any of these excuses. I'm just trying to think of what I could have made. Uh, oh, you know, well, you weren't here, but I cut the grass or I did this special because you wanted me to, which is obviously, see, that's the thing about relationships. You could ask that question about, hey, talk about the, the, the things you learned about when you fought with your wife and you're wrong. You know, I would definitely love to do an episode on that. Oh, my God. The things I have learned in relationships because of the shit that I fucked up. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I could, be, I could be a marriage counselor. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, uh, but we had one of those heart-to-hearts where she was expressing that, that I, that she needed more of me. And she did it. I don't know, there's just this tone and this emotion that I can't describe that, for me at least, maybe it's not worldwide or universal, but when you have somebody you love that you really they're the biggest part of your life and you're the biggest part of their life. And they just go, I, I, I need, I need something else from you. I need, I need you and you're not there. And it, it's not an accusatory thing. It's not, I, I don't know. It's just this tone that it's almost like a, a lock and key. Like all of a sudden it hits and you go, Oh, you just, you just unlocked this part of me that went, shit, I, I, I'm not doing what I need to do for you. And you need to be first. And w- what can I do? Without guilt, without manipulation. So I sat there at the desk looking up at her as she was standing there at the end of my desk. I said, what do you want me to do? She said, no, I don't. I said, no, 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 I'm not trying to be an ass. I'm literally saying, I hear you. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to shut off all podcasting? Because I will do that. Because I want you to know that I want this relationship to be as best it can be. I want to give you what I can give you, what you need me to give you. I'm not asking you to to, to demand you're, you're not, because she's afraid of that too. She never wants to be the nagging wife. She never wants to be the, the person who took away my dreams. You know, she wants to be the supporter, the one who helps me get where I want to go. And so I made it very clear that I need to give to you. And instead of saying shut off podcasting, what she said was uh, pick one and stick with it. Because I think at that time I was doing three or four shows myself uh, I know I was doing at least three, period. I think I was doing four, plus running all this stuff for a bunch of other people on their shows. And she said, pick one and stick with it. I said, done. I will do that. And I knew in my mind, it, and other things have been building up that I don't remember right the second. But I, I, all this was building to a universal point that needed to happen. Almost a flashpoint, if you will. <laughs> uh, for the geek, comic geek, geeks out there. Anyway. I knew I was going to do success freaks. I knew that bear crawling had started off on the wrong foot being that I thought I was worthless and that I was, I just needed to work out my therapy and I, I needed to just, just say things and it become this, it was good for what it was. It exactly did what it needed me to do. What I needed it to do rather, or well, maybe both. It did what it needed me to do and I did what I needed it to do. So <laughs> take those words for what they are. I don't know. 
it, it, I had I had become a better person. I had become a better entertainer. I had become a more professional podcaster. And I was like, okay, this will never grow with me. This will this just needs to go away. And I dropped everything but success freaks. Because I knew at that point I was drawn to what we were doing there, changing lives, being professional about it, saying that I am awesome because the only way to help only way to help others be awesome is to be awesome. And you could ask about my personal journey through success freaks, because that's a whole different story than the rise and fall of Bear Calling Nation. And it'll be an episode itself because there are so many things I learned, so many experiences I had there that were good, bad, and otherwise. So many lessons I learned, uh, good, bad, and otherwise <laughs> as well. So I chose Success Freaks and, and dropped everything else. And not like cold turkey. I mean, the shows I was doing, I, I cut off. The shows I was helping with, I gave them an opportunity to step up, to do what I was doing. Step up, take on your own show. Do it yourself. Knock it out of the park. Gave them every opportunity, every attaboy that I could, every chance that they could take. And they were now fly on your own or, or fail. That's that's up to you. So I did Success Freaks for... Now, I'd already been doing Success Freaks crossover, you know, at that point, doing double shows and whatnot. But I ran a grand total, I think, about five years with Success Freaks doing that four or five, 2011 to 2016. So roughly, yeah, roughly five years ish is what we did. And uh, about 200 and something episodes and learned a lot of lessons there. But during success freaks, right? I'm honoring my promise. I am honoring my promise. I'm going to do one thing and stick with it. And I'm working this job and I'm doing one podcast and that's it. And while I would guess with other things and do other stuff, that was my main outlet work in the one podcast and I lost my job in 2013 and tried to find another one and everything went on and I was like you know what I need to make my business work this is now going to play into doing multiple shows so when I was doing the Bear Calling Nation I felt swamped I felt overwhelmed I did a few shows I mean no more than four shows at a time uh, in a week but I also was working a job and this and that and the other I mean there was other complications but you fast forward to now, after I lost my job, I said, okay, I'm going to make this work. Charles McFall Inc. is going to work. LLC, not Inc. It's uh, Charles McFall LLC is my company. You know, And yeah, I did name it after myself simply because that's kind of what celebrities do, right? I mean, if you're in a movie and you want to set up a special way to get paid, you make your own little side production company that actually is not a huge production company. I learned that. God, what was that movie I learned that from? It was so good. And it was the guy who was in that movie played Johns in the the uh, Pitch Black. He was the character Johns in Pitch Black, and he was Cody something. He was a movie star that that uh, I can't remember if he was the murderer or he was being framed for murder. And it was a good movie. I loved it. I thought it was great. But in that movie, I, I found out little things about behind the scenes in Hollywood, and, and you set up your own company to be able to get a bigger piece of the pie or to get merchandising and this and that and the other, and not just being paid as an employee. And it changes your taxes and this and that and the other too. Uh, so I said, that's why I set up Charles McFall LLC is to do that. But, you know, through the different paths I took, I was still just doing the one show. And then during this time, I was playing this game called uh, Marvel Avengers Alliance. And I was playing it more than I should have been. And I was hooked into it. And I'm like trying to find jobs. And I had to apply to 10 different jobs a week for unemployment at the time. And I found myself taking forever to apply to 10 different jobs. Every day, my job was to get up, at least find two or three jobs to apply to that day, 
and taking the interviews that were going to happen and find ways to make money. And that was it. That was my whole day, which is a couple of hours at most. While I'm finding myself to get three jobs applied to, it's taking two hours because I'm like in the game and I'm getting distracted and I'm playing the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to go back. Okay, let me look at it. All right, let me put my resume. Oh, yeah, I'm playing the game. And so I decided in my head, and this, this doesn't work ever, but it worked here. It's like, well, I, you know, and I had not made hardly any money. I made some money, but not a ton of money, not anything to say, you're going to make money at podcasting to even have this thought process. And by, I, I sat there and I went, I better start a podcast so I can make some money and justify playing this game as much as I do. And I did. And I, I met Brian Ibbett and you know, we went from there and the history has been told on that show and I can tell it here later. And you don't need it. It's not relevant to this question about what's next. And so I started a second podcast and by ran it past my wife said, okay, this, and she goes, well, can you try to keep it to one day? Essentially, I don't mind you doing extras. I'm like, sure. And I made Tuesday my show day. So Tuesday mornings, I do success freaks, semi live or live, depending on the time period we were in. And then that afternoon I would do from the helicarrier with Brian Ibbett, you know, semi live and, and we went that way. So Tuesday was show day for a very long time. Actually, until I, I left Success Freaks. Uh, but then as, as that went on, and we did, we, we actually made some money at from the Helicarrier. And you know, once it broke down, I mean, I was making, for podcasting, for a big conglomeration of people working on I mean, we had four people getting paid on that show. I made uh, almost 200 bucks a month at times at our highest point. Just in my part, you know, splitting it with, with not equally splitting it, but splitting it with three other people. And it's like, you know, wow, we're, we're, we're doing well. And, and it changed, you know, when I money income, let me say this income, proving that people like you enough to give you some money for it changes the game, changes the paradigm. It changes the feeling of what you're doing. I learned just spinning wheels and doing all these great ideas. And that is the podcaster's plight right? It is the podcaster's bane is when you start doing an ep show and you're, you're 10, 15, 20 episodes in and you get any kind of audience that feeds back. You could have an audience of 5,000 people. And if you never hear from them, it feels like crap. It does. I've not, I haven't had an audience of 5,000 people, but I've had an audience of a couple thousand people. And until somebody started feeding back, it felt empty and hollow. You can have an audience. This is bear calling. You can have an audience of maybe a hundred to 200 people. And by audience, I mean they weekly downloads. They, this is how many people listen to your show in a week. That's roughly your audience size, right? You can have that. But if, if 12, 14 of them show up live on a Friday night to drink beer with you and see what bullshit comes out of your mouth, and people are always writing in and sharing on Twitter and fa you know Facebook messaging you, it feels like you're the king of the world. And that is an amazing feeling. And that, that really makes it feel like you're doing really good stuff. So it is about the feedback. But then... The whole next level that I'd never had was on From the Helicarrier. We got the feedback. We had 130 people come out live to watch us record this on Twitch. And it was never a live show. We just, I don't remember why we started doing it on Twitch and why Brian didn't want to do it that way. We never promoted it as a live show. We just kind of recorded it in a live front of a live studio audience type of deal. And people responded. Even to the end, we'd have 30, 40 people. And that's, there's a long story about how it went from 130 to 160 people live and in 1500 downloads an episode to where we ended 
And that's because we tied to a game and the game audience kind of went away and it's neither here nor there. But yeah, I learned so many things there. Oh my God, this is what I always sought out because I took it on professionally. I took it small sets at a time. I made sure my wife was happy with it. I found a good partner in Brian Ibbett to, to keep me on a path that would really make for a, a show that I wanted to do and that I wanted to give to the audience. It was a nice balance. Uh, Success Freaks had its own audience and had its own things going. And we actually, towards the end, started making money there as well uh, through a sponsorship. You know, a whole different thing uh, with From the Helicare's Patreon and people were pledging their money to us. So right out of your pocket, you know, the listener, you would give me five bucks or give the show five bucks that, you know, went a long way ultimately. And that changed things for my wife. Also, during that time, I got production jobs where I was, I spent the major part of a year doing side gigs of picking up live events and doing stage work, you know, setting up microphones, running audio, uh, you're building stages, tearing them down as far as music concerts go, those kind of things. I started picking up work that way too on the side. So that was through Charles McFall LLC. And then of course the podcast was picking up and doing more. And then I spent the better part of a year doing entrepreneur radio and that paid my bills. That paid the majority of my bills for the majority of 20, 2014 honestly. And that was all because of podcasting and the conferences I'd gone to and, and this and that and the other. And while my voice was never on the show, and I don't think I was ever mentioned on the air, I was the producer of the show and the, the editor and all that. And lots of great stuff came out of, of there. It was amazing. What I learned was when you do it right, when you do you, but you do it in a very educated, experienced way, you find that it gets traction is maybe the word I'm looking for. You find that the paradigm shifts and it feels differently. So, I mean, I can go back at the most. I was doing three to four shows maybe myself when I was in Bear Calling Nation, but it felt like I was doing a dozen. It felt like I was doing everything wrong. And I was. I was doing a lot of things wrong there. To now with a giant-sized team up, as we slowly grew and we put the brakes on, I talked to my wife every step of the way. You know, we, we did this show and we made – we made goals for the money that if we hit this goal per episode, we'll do a second show. You have to justify making money or to justify taking away from the other stuff that does make me money. I have to get paid type of deal. We decided that we, there was a niche for a network. This is the golden age of, of comics in, in the world. And, and they're just becoming huge and nobody's doing what we want to do. So we started giant size team up network, Brian, Ibbett, Paul Goss and myself along with uh, Mike Woodard and Chris Wisdom. Uh, the five of us came together and, and built this thing, and we're still building this thing. And so they surely started finding people who could do everything themselves. And what we offered them was some infrastructure, some professional advice, some professionalism, just brought everybody up together. All right, let's see, how many shows do I do now? At the time, I was doing Success Freaks. I was doing From the Helicarrier. Uh, we started a show called Breaking the Panel because we needed something that was not locked to a game because we knew the game would go away. So we had to start another show that still touched on what we wanted to talk about. That's still going strong today. Picked up Pokemon Go podcast. I know. Oh, I was doing Ermagerd. That was EMG season one. Ermagerd. It's a mashup with my wife, Erin. And that's a whole fun story. I can tell if somebody asked me about podcasting and my journey through it. I'd love to tell stories about why I do that show with her. That's a pure show about love and passion. Uh, the the audience is not big there, uh, but those who are there love it. And I just love doing it with her. Right now, I've actually recorded season two. We've got 10 episodes done. Uh, the whole season's done. I need a pro 
push them out. And honestly, I haven't done it yet, not because of any good reason, other than I actually enjoy just the process of recording with her and doing this thing. That's my love. That's why I do it. So I do need to put it out and let people hear it and see if it'll grab something. And honestly, go check that out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's very uncensored, and Aaron and I have so much fun, and we work so well together. So that's five. I want to say there was a sixth one in there somewhere, but talking to my wife, building it together, having her give me advice on how the show is supposed to go, how the company's supposed to go, touching base with her, and only stepping out and doing a show if it was going to give me something, right? If it was going to give me a path to money, if it was going to pay me immediately, if the time was right to grab that audience, that was what I learned. And so I hesitated to launch any show. And Rock Out of Podcasting really came on strong when uh, Success Freaks went away. But it wasn't, I didn't leave Success Freaks to do this. It was just timing on everything. But doing this stuff, finding success at different levels there and seeing what we can do and how we can open more doors and how it did open some doors to do some more conference speaking and, and to get my name out. And the fact that I started really bringing in money with it. Uh, I've got clients because of it that are I might actually do some stuff with later. But I'm getting I'm bringing in steady money and and it went well. Those are some amazing harsh lessons I had to learn that I would love to go more into detail about on the the podcasting episode. But getting to what's next. I told all that to give you one a fun history of where I went and and how I had so many ideas and I tried them all. I would just start a new show just because you know, Chaos and Coffee is a show I've done twice. And both times was I thought there was a need. I saw a need. I thought I could fill it. Uh, the first time was literally just, well, somebody needs to do this. I'll just do it instead of talking to my wife or anything. And it was a, every morning, Monday through Friday, like 830 to 9, I had to be up and do this live coffee and news show just to lead into the next live show and to tell people what's going on in the network. You know, we got this and that and that. But, you know, it, it was a really poorly built idea that did fairly well. I mean, it was fun and, and people love my style of humor and, and what I read about in the news. But that went away when my wife said, pick one and stick with it. Because I, it, wrote, it did mess up our lives. I never consulted her. But my son started, my Oakland at the time was four, I guess, three or four, started pre-K. And she needed me to drop him off. But that was right in the middle of live showtime. And I could not help her. And once that hit me, I was like, oh. I am unavailable every single morning. I didn't think about that. And is it paying me? No. No. Is it going to pay me? No. There's no route to money on that show for any reason ever. Is it going to benefit my name? Is it going to make me bigger? Well, no. It, it, it's not going to. It's not going to help make a new path. And why the fuck are you doing it? Well, because somebody else thought it'd be a good idea. So they're more important than your family than your life, than actually fucking making money and putting food on the table. Yeah, I had to go through that process and learn that lesson to understand what was important. Now, does everything have to make me money? No, of course not. I always still help people out, do some great things. But I got to tell you, once you get that paradigm of I take care of my family, what is important? My wife is the most important thing to me. And my kids are second to that. But I mean, honestly, they're great. But my wife is important. I, I, I married her. I fell in love with her. She was here before the kids. She'll be here long after the kids. She was here before all the jobs, all the different crazy paths I've taken. She'll be here after. So I, I want to make her feel important. I want her to feel as safe as she can be. I want this partnership to work more than anything else. 
So that's important to know. And once I got that in place, once I locked that in, guess what? People started paying me for the awesome shit that I do. It was a universal paradigm shift, man. It was that secret, right? It's the attract law of attraction of I didn't go, well, I've got to be paid for everything. I went, I have to provide for my family one way or the other. So if I'm going to take away time that would have done something for my family, then I'm going to have to get paid. I'm going to have to get compensated because I can't, I can't sacrifice my family for this really cool idea, this project that's going nowhere. I, I can't do that. And that, man, that has changed. Learning that I'm valuable, learning that my skills are valuable, that my time is valuable, that was important. And that definitely plays into what's next. Rob does the four different shows that he listed. And I, I honestly don't know what kind of money he has coming in, what it has done for him. I know Orange Lounge Radio has been around for a very long time. Why, whether or not they make money on it, I, I don't know. But I, I'm sure it's meeting a need in his life. And even Bobby, and I won't talk about what Bobby's answers were. It was in person and it was a private conversation. But Bobby Blackwolf, I asked him, I was like, just out of curiosity, because my mindset is, this is what I'm seeking. Ultimately, I want to run Giant Size Team Up and any other production company. You know, I want to have... I, I, Jay-Z, man, I want to be Jay-Z and have my hands in all kind of different businesses uh, and still be that creative person and, and do some awesome stuff. I want to be these other creators that diversify, right? I, I just want what I love to be my income and be great income and change the world. Steve fucking Jobs, man. You think he created the iPod? You think he did so well with Apple because he just did a job? No, he loved being a visionary, he loved being in that tech space. That was his niche. Podcasting, speaking, changing lives, connecting with people, that is my niche, and that is what I want to be my income. Bobby, why, why with, with this awesome thing you do, this amazing thing you do, and the genius that you guys are at Voice of Gamers, Voice of Geeks, uh, Vogue, just Vogue. I, I get, it's, it's my bad that I get it wrong, but I get it wrong. What you do there is amazing. There's some genius there, and there's some amazing things there, and and that's why we click. And he, he told me why he would never want to leave his day job. He loves his day job. I mean, he loves it. And it pays him really, really well. And only if his company, the voice, the, the Vogue, grew to where it demanded his time, he might not even leave then. He might hire somebody to run it because he loves what he does. And that was different than, than what I do. So if you love what you do, even in a hobby, you know, even you're willing to put the hours and the time and, and everything into it, it comes easy. And that's why now, currently, I do Rock Gunner Podcasting, Ermagerd, Ermagerd Seasonal, but EMG. Uh, I do uh, Breaking the Panel. I do Pokemon Go Podcast. That doesn't feel busy at all. It works very well. I still have, in this point in life, my, my wife says, man, it's so great to have you home and be there to help with the kids. You know, there are times when she gets a little worried about the money and because everything I do is is project-based, so it can go away. It can it can disappear. Nothing, well, but the thing is, too, nothing is, is permanent, and, and we had that conversation recently of, she's, yeah, I just worried that it'll go away. Oh, so you want me to get a, a permanent job? Yeah, you know, something good. I, like the one I had where I worked at the office for seven years and made almost 60 grand a year. Like that job that, that went away? And, of course, the tone, I did it like that, but probably worse. So it's like, we well, don't have to be condescending. It's like, okay, you're right. I'm being a dick. My intention, though, is to be 
hey, I want to take you down this line to say no job is permanent. So no podcast is permanent. Nothing is permanent in life. Do what you love. Follow what you love. What's next for me, Rob? I've got a couple ideas. I've always had this idea in my head. And you can steal it. Hey, let's do it together if we can find time and way to monetize it because that's the thing. It has to grow our businesses one way or the other. Even if the show itself doesn't pay me, the show has to open doors to where I can earn more income and grow what I do. Because that's life right now. I'm already doing four shows. They have different levels of income. Actually, Irma Gerd has no income whatsoever. Uh, actually, Rock God Podcasting has no income whatsoever right now. Those are the two passion projects that I'm doing. Breaking the Panel and uh, Giant Size Team Up and Pokemon Go all have income coming in. So it justifies my time to a point. Now I still have to go and work on the games. But that's neither here than there. The idea, Rob, the idea, the idea, the idea. In retrospect is what I wanted to call it. And I didn't want to focus on any one TV show, but I always thought it'd be so much fun to binge watch something and do short episodes on it that you could tie to the shows. But the key is it has to be an older show. It has to have ended already. So you can go from start to finish. And the one that pops into my mind that I wouldn't mind starting with is Angel because I binge watched the crap out of that. In the 90s, I watched some Buffy, right? Everybody in the 90s pretty much watched Buffy. It was a great show. I watched some of it. I didn't have time to watch a lot of it. I watched Angel. I love, I think his name is David Borealis. Borealis. I loved him. I loved the idea of a vampire named Angel who actually was good, and he was bad, and he was human. And he was, you know, I, I just, I followed it all. I liked it. Well, when I worked that office job I just told you about a minute ago, I pirated. I learned how to pirate from the office job. But at the time, I, I, I did. I, I pirated uh, uh, the whole series and I think six, seven seasons. I don't know. And I'd have it on my laptop. And while I'm working and doing my scans, I'd watch it. And it got me through the day. I've rewatched six or seven seasons of supernatural. Love that show. Love that we're in season 12 right now. That's one of my, I love that show. I'm just a fanboy. Okay. That's the only show that I'm a fanboy on. Uh, yeah, but I love everything about that show. Well, not everything, but anyway, but the idea, Rob, <laughs> is to take these shows that would generate great content, watch it together. You know, uh, uh, so let's say, let's say you and I are doing this show, and I want a co-host or two co-hosts even. And I, I love the idea of calling it in retrospect because it's obviously it's been done for probably over a decade now. Angel has been done. Uh, think of any the Battlestar Galactica, the the new version. It's been done for a long time. But I'd love to take these. TV series, start with show one. We watch it together. We immediately record 30 minutes of, oh my, okay, yeah, this is what I remember from the original time. This is what I just picked up. And you do a podcast with it and do it in those bite sized chunks of 30 minutes. And if you have time to justify, if you have the money or the income to justify, you could do three or four or five episodes in a day and release them however the hell you want to release them. I don't think it should be a weekly podcast. I, I, it's just an idea. I don't, I don't know the production on it. But it seems like, oh, you can go binge this on Netflix or Hulu or here's how you get a hold of it uh, for free or for a cost. It, it, rift, think Rift Tracks, okay? Think MST3K, Mystery Science Theater 3000, right? They take old movies, the, the guy and the two puppets would sit there and they, they mess with it. Well, that show is no longer around. But what they did was that the three people, the writers behind it, the, the, the two guys who voiced the puppets and the, the main character, I believe, or who, who the, they are, they took this idea and ran with it. 
and they make riff tracks now to where you could get, uh, I don't know if it's any movie out there, but talking about mainstream movies, uh, let's just, I don't know if this one's out there. Let's just say this star Wars, the force awakens. You can go for a dollar, $2, buy their riff track. They tell you how to sync it up with the movie. And basically you watch the movie with that podcast in your ears. And they're talking over it just like it was an MST3K episode and making jokes and at times just right. Obviously, I don't want to talk over the show. We're not making fun of the show, but that's kind of the idea of you record them. And we've done we've done five episodes right this week. Five, you know, we watched, because they're an hour-long episode to watch. So you spend an hour, spend 30 to 45 minutes recording your show. And then, and you just put them out. As, as fast as you can get them produced, you put them out. So then people can go, go oh, you've got all of season one of, of Angel done. So now I can go on my time, watch episode one, and then go listen to your podcast and feel like I'm a part of a conversation today. You know, today, not a part of a conversation from the 90s, but in experiencing it right now. And you could do the whole run of that TV series. When it's done, guess what? You can jump to Battlestar Galactica. You can jump to name the show Quantum Leap. Holy shit. How awesome would it be to do Quantum Leap, Rob? Right? For, for most geeks out there. And I know, I know we grab an audience. And maybe you even break it up. Maybe you do five episodes a week. And I know, see, see, it's, it's a big demand, right? It's a big project. But this is just where I feel like the passion is. And when the time is right, when the money is there, when the opportunity opens its door, we'll be ready for it. I'll be ready for it. And whoever's going to be with me is going to be ready for it. But maybe you do five episodes a week. At Monday is Angel Day. Tuesday is Battlestar Galactica Day. Wednesday is Quantum Leap Day. Thursday is is My Little Pony. I don't know. I don't know. G.I. Joe, all right? The G.I. Joe cartoon, right? You throw that in there. And then Friday is is random episode day or something. Talk about your, your the week of, oh, we watched all this stuff. And I don't know. But then people can figure, figure out what shows they want to see. And then you're not trying to knock out a whole season at once. I, I don't know. There's just different ways to do it. And I think it would be great. That's an idea that I have brewing, man. And when, when the time is right, I, I'll be ready for it. And if somebody takes this idea, here's what I've always said. Here's what I've always said. Just because I have a great idea doesn't mean I'm the one who's supposed to do it. You know, I'm never afraid, ever afraid of somebody stealing anything that I say. I'm never afraid of somebody copying me. I've seen people copy me. I, I have. And that can come out in the podcasting episode that I do when somebody asks about that. I have seen people try to imitate me. And here's my thing. More power to you. Go and make it work. And maybe you'll be more successful at it than I will. But I know one thing is true. You can't beat me. And that's the one thing I bring to every table, everywhere. Right now, there's probably a half a dozen to a dozen Pokemon podcasts out there. You know what makes Pokemon Go different, and in my case, better, <laughs> is that I'm on it. Pokemon Go podcast is the only place you'll get my sense of humor, my way that I see the world, my take on that. And if you like that, that's what you like about the show. Pokey Stop podcast is the only place you're going to get Rob Roberts' take on it and his view of the world and his experience with the game. And that's why I'm never afraid of people stealing anything from me because you can't do it the way I do it. Let's say I still want to do it in retrospect and maybe somebody takes a name. I'll come up with a better name. I'll come up with a different way to do it. And we both, there's room for everybody. So that's, that's one idea. Another one I have spinning is I work for Jim Brewer. He's a comedian. He used to be on Saturday Night Live back in, the, I think, the 90s. He did Goat Boy. He did Joe Pesci show. Uh, he was in a movie, Half Baked, and love his comedy. I've loved his comedy since the first Comedy Central stand-up I saw that he did. 
And he's talking about the Metallica mosh pit and the bazookas. And, and he also told the joke for the first time that I heard it then. He was very young still then, too. But how uh, people always ask if he's high. He's like, my eyes are naturally like this. If I got high, I couldn't see. You know, I, I, that, it just stuck in my brain. I love that. So I followed him for a very, very long time. Love his sense of humor. Knew I'd work well with him. Fates would have it. Universe brought the paths together that a mutual uh, business acquaintance of ours put us together. He needed somebody to help run his website and put up show dates and this and that and the other. And he had just started podcasting. And he had people to help him with the podcast. I don't, I don't help with the podcast at all. But uh, he hired me to ultimately to run his website to make sure the tour dates are taken care of, to make sure announcements get done. Uh, you know, the need that he had in social media is something that I was good at, not uh, to run his social media, but to kind of keep that aspect of the audience wants to know where he's going to be and how to get tickets. That's what I do for him. We've slowly but surely built a relationship. Uh, together and uh, i pitched an idea to him he did a uh, episode or two of his podcast in the earlier days about a year ago i guess it was called the marriage warrior it started off as the medicine morning did a whole podcast about that and then when the baseball season stopped he came up with other things to talk about and he, ta- he did an episode or two called marriage warrior and he has this whole bit about it in his stand-up but he really does believe it, and he really lives it of you've been married a certain amount of time I, I honestly don't remember what his time frame is but i think it's anything over 10 years uh, something like that. You're a marriage warrior. You fought it out. You stayed married. And there's definitely aspects to that. And he has such a, a presentation on that. I'm like, that is such a unique voice. I love what you're saying. Well, then he really got into building the band that he has now, the Loud and Rowdy. They've got a CD out. And it's, a, it's really actually really good. But he's doing tours with the Loud and Rowdy. And, and the podcast became about building that. It's called The Metal and Me. And it started off talking about how he loves metal and why he loves metal. And it's an outlet that he never had before to really express this love of music and why he, ha- why he has it and what's going on. And then to have the band sit with him, and they're all great friends. And they're talking about what would be fun to do on the road and talking about things that happen on the road and their experiences. It's a really an amazing show to give you that insight into that world. But it's still the Marriage Warrior is not there anymore. And so I pitched him this idea that he's he's brewing on, that he's sitting on. I don't know if he's going to run with it or not, but I pitched him an idea that it's like the rock out of podcasting in reverse, that uh, we do the marriage warrior. Because I, as a person who's trying to make my living do creative stuff, have unique issues in my marriage, have unique issues in my finances uh, to deal with. And I hit those walls. That I just don't know what to do. And I would love to have somebody give me those answers. I know he has some of those answers because he's been in creative work forever. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I know he tells a story about working at Sears in the paint department. Uh, I don't know when he f- really went full-time comic, but it was young. And I would love to know if he did that before or after he got married. I would love to know how he built a solid marriage on a job that can hit or miss because you're always out there hustling, right, as a comedian. Even on Saturday Night Live, you know, it doesn't mean you've made it. But my point is, he's a great person to ask, right? And then, then beyond that, it's not just creatives who would get answers out of this. It's entrepreneurs, because that's a whole different thing. And even normals, right? You and you guys who work the Monday through Friday, you have a career. I bet you would get stuff out of it. And even if you didn't learn something from the marriage warrior, you would be entertained amazingly by it. So what I pitched him was, I want to bring to the table. I'm going to, I would produce it. I would edit it. I would do everything. All he has to do is show up. 
But I have a list of questions that I want to ask him. And I would ask him the question and he would go and, and, and answer it in his way and tell the story. And then maybe I would ask another question based off his answer, or I'd share a little bit of what my experience was to get insight, to get input. And we it'd be a little bit like Success Freaks. It'd be a lot like Rock Gotta Podcasting, because I expect to be a lot quieter because it's about him and the answers he can give me. And that's a show that I have in my mind that I would love to see happen. Even if it's not me, even if he were to, to do it, I feel a connection with Jim Brewer. I feel like he's lived a life similar to mine and that he's been married, I think now 16, 17, 18 years, somewhere in there, uh, maybe longer, maybe a little shorter, but I'm pretty sure it's over 16. And he's he's got three daughters and he's he's done well for himself in his career. How? I want to know about raising the kids. I want to know about the 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 when when they need something for school and you didn't get that gig or something fell through uh, when the TV show that you thought you were about to get didn't happen. How did you react? How did you make your wife say, you know, there's been health issues with his wife that he's talked about openly. How did you deal with that? You know, that's the idea I have. So I want to do the Marriage Warrior podcast with Jim Brewer. I want to hear it, but I definitely want to do it with him. And I'm very passionate about it. Uh, There's always ideas, man. There's always something that, that pops up that would be great to do that I would love to be a part of. I, I want to be on every show that's out there at some point. I mean, I want to be invited to to share my view on, on anything, honestly. Um, I love being a guest on things and just coming in for a minute and, and you're doing a show. Well, you're doing a show on marriage. Let me tell you about the stuff I've learned about marriage. You're doing, you're doing a show on Supernatural. Let me come in for an episode and talk about my love of Supernatural and just connect with you, with you on that. Yeah, that's what's next as far as podcasting goes. And I got to tell you, I love speaking in front of people. I love taking questions. This is my favorite show that I do, Rock Got a Podcasting, because you ask a question and I get to go off and answer it and hopefully give you something direct. We just uh, launched recently a question from Laura DePooter that said, uh, how did your career as an EMT in emergency medicine affect your parenting and vice versa. And I got to answer stuff because I've got to imagine she's asking because she's a parent. And even if she's not a parent, she's asking because there's something that attracts her to that. That's, there's an answer she's seeking that hopefully I gave her and that there's other people who are listening that never asked that question that I gave them the answer to. But this, this energy is what's next, Rob. Being able to connect with people. There's an email I need to answer. I met somebody at Dragon Con. And the very last panel we did was just sat in a, a circle, a literal circle. We just sat around and people who were thinking about, it was ask a podcast or anything is what it was. And so they literally came and asked us and there was three or four of us, uh, maybe five that had been in podcasting that had answers. And then there was three, four or five people who were thinking about starting it or had just started and they just wanted to ask and oh my God, just, just being able to share, not just my answers, but to hear the other answers that were shared. And to connect with that. And I had one of them follow up with me and say, hey, I loved your advice. Here's what I'm doing. Could you give me some more feedback? And I'm going to do that because I love connecting with people. But I love being up in front of people and talking and and entertaining an audience. And, man, just being entertaining. The, The entertainment part is fun. And I could do that. But I do love just giving exact responses and helping people out. And that's what I want to do here on Rock Out of Podcasting is help you connect with you, maybe give you an answer for my life, partially to validate that my life's not worthless, right? I know it's not, but that validation of, hey, this horrible thing you went through or this good thing you went through or this thing that you went through and you learned, it actually means something to other people besides yourself. 
And I think most everybody has a story like that to share. I just think they don't. You know, uh, I'll end with this. I'll end with this. So an example of that is I'm trying to find a solution to a, a program that I use on my computer, and it's maxing out my CPU, and I can't find why. It sh- doesn't seem like it should do that. And so I'm searching the answers for that, right? And somebody goes, had the same question. Uh, you know, there's, I don't understand why it's doing this. It's maxing out my CPU. But then they came back and said, oh, never mind. I figured it out. And that was it. They did not expand on what they figured out why it did it. I'm like, you have the answer. You can tell your story right now and solve probably my problem and a dozen other people, if not more problem, and you're not sharing. And that's what I want to encourage everybody to do with the Rock Out of Podcasting is go out and share your story one way or another. Help somebody be awesome by sharing who you are with them. But yeah, it's, uh, wow, wait, 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 there's one more, there's one more, there's one more. I I would love to have a show on the network, not necessarily one I would do personally, but I would love just to have a show on the network that had guys and girls together talking about their love of of geek media. You're not specifically a review on The Flash, not specifically a review on Supernatural. Take what's going on, highlight it for a week, almost maybe like a news show Without doing the news, because the whole thing about the network is we talk to each other. We're we're conversational in nature, and we love talking to each other. That's the heart of the network. We're passionate about our subject. We're passionate about sharing it with you, the listener, and with each other, the hosts. And we do it in a certain way with comedy and fun and, and, and that kind of thing. But I love guys and girls together to talk about their love of of tv and it can be what's on this week you know just oh supernatural episode one came on and here's the parts we loved about it and you do 10 minutes on that and then oh you know uh i'm watching uh what's another westworld okay westworld came on and you know oh i'd love to see that on the network that would be fun and honestly i would love to be a part of it but i don't have to be Anyway, that's all being said. Let me tell you exactly how to get your stuff in. R-G-O-P at charlesmcfall.com. Email me your questions there. Send me your MP3s if you have the ability to record them. I will play them on the show. Absolutely. You don't have to be able to record an MP3. You can go to rockgodofpodcasting.com. There on the right side of the screen is a nice tab that says, hey, send us your voicemail. Click on it with any device anywhere in the world, as long as you have internet, of course. But it can be anywhere, no charges at all. You click on it, it says, can we use your microphone? Allow, record up to 90 seconds of your voicemail. Ask your question, share your story. Help me help you. Help me help you. Show me the money, Jerry. Come on. (laughs) Do that. Uh, Twitter is at Pod. You can hit me there. Facebook.com forward slash rock god of podcasting. You can hit me there. Definitely comment on the post. Share the post. Please go like the page. Share this. I, I, I feel like this could be the best show I've ever done. Not this episode, but the, the rock god of podcasting. This is my show. This is my heart. This is what you will get if you hire me to come speak in front of your company. I can tone down the language always. But for the most part, the passion, the honesty, I can talk on any subject just about anywhere as long as I've experienced it. I'm always willing to share my view of the world with you anywhere you want it. Here on the podcast, live in person, hire me You know to come do your your corporate events, uh, <laughs> hire me to come speak at your church. 
you know what? If you got a birthday party for your eight-year-old, if you want to fly me out, I'll come and be funny for your eight-year-old. I don't know. <laughs> All right, kid. Here's what you have to look forward to in the next year of your life. I, I, don't, I don't know. Now I'm just being a little out there. But I, I just, I love connecting with you. I want you to connect with me. So again, RGOP at CharlesMcFall.com, Facebook.com forward slash Rock Out of Podcasting is the easiest way to find me. And you can comment on the post, RockOutOfPodcasting.com. You can leave your comments on the direct episodes. I will read them and reply to you. So thanks for listening. Go out and be the rock out of your life and share it with somebody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.